Hi, this is Rachel McElroy. Hello, this is Griffin McElroy. And this is wonderful. Vroom, vroom, vroom. Get in the truck, everybody. It's time for uh, it's time for the next chapter, the next evolution. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, we should talk about this. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, th- this is a show we talk about things we like, things that we're into. If this is your first episode, I'm Griffin. That's Rachel. We're married. We got two kids. We've lived in Austin, Texas, for ever uh, since we met. Ever since we met. I've been here since 2011. Yeah. You've been here since what? 2009. 2008. 2008. Gosh yeah. dang. Uh, but that's all over now. We say fond farewell, Texas and Austin, because uh, we are moving here in a little over a month which is bonkers. Yeah. We're not saying this because it'll have any kind of dramatic impact on the format of the show. No, I mean, it won't have any impact on the format of the show at all, but it may have impact on uh, the release schedules for several of our products here yeah. at McElroy Industries. Yeah, and at least towards the end of July, beginning of August. Yeah, so we are going to be up and moving too. Oh, and everybody's wondering right now. I bet we have friends in Biloxi. Then I know I'm not moving there, or else I would have said the name of the city correctly. <laughs> in Biloxi or Des Moines, uh, we're, we're not moving to any of the, What are some other cities we're not moving to, honey? Oh, I feel like there's some judgment implied in this, and I would rather not. Oh, okay. I mean, this is, they're beautiful <laughs> cities. It's just not where we're going. We are going to Washington, D.C. Yeah, because Griffin the room is where running, it happens. running for president. I want to be the new president of the United <laughs> States of America. Here is my platform. Everything going on all around us sucks. Let's do something about it, America. <laughs> now, we have both been to Washington, D.C. a bunch of times now and have enjoyed every trip. Yes. And we also wanted to be closer to the rest of the McElroys. Yes. Uh, we have had to miss like four of the last five sort of cr- Christmas trips. Yeah. Sometimes very last minute because of, of COVID. And uh, it is just not possible to hop in a car and drive to where the rest of our family is here, uh, which has proven to be... A constant thorn in our side, I would say, over the last few years. Um, and, you know, D.C.'s got a lot of really cool stuff going on. It's a really great place to raise kids. Got got lots of really neat activities for them. You can hop on a train and be in, like, any other city on the East Coast within a few hours, and I like that a lot. And um, Griffin loves trains. I, I People, it's well trod. Is it well known? I think at okay. this point that are, are we, we have a... A fondness for these long steel beauties. (laughs) Um, But yeah, August 1st, we're going to be rolling up into Washington, D.C. We we welcome your recommendations for things to do or eat there. Um, Yeah. And uh, we're very, we're very excited. And also, I would say, extremely stressed out. (laughs) Because moving cross country by yourself is a tough putt. Doing it with uh, two kids is I would say an impossible drive to continue the golfing metaphor, but we're do- we're doing the damn thing. Yeah, and uh, th- I mean that's all. Austin, we know we have lots of listeners here, lots of f- lots of fans here, lots of friends here. Yeah, and we're gonna miss we're gonna miss all, uh, you know we're gonna miss it a lot. I'm very sad to be leaving Austin, but yeah, a new chapter is beginning. So turn fl- turn the page with us. As I inquire <laughs> with my wife if she has any of those good small wonders that I do crave so much. You know, I this happened several days ago where I thought like, oh, this is going to be my small wonder. And then for sure, this will be my small wonder. 
Uh, and now I can't remember what any of them were. I really need to write these guys down. Yeah, it'd be good. I'm going to say U-Haul boxes. Now that the, the cat's out of the bag. <laughs> okay. uh, whenever it's time to move, swing by the U-Haul and pick up some of the best damn cardboard boxes in the business. I am so wild about this. I got some that I'm really excited about. They're like specifically for dishes and they come with little separators, like specifically sized for glasses and dishes. Yes. I'm real excited about that. Yeah. We need to pick up some uh, like mirror box. I forget what they're called. Yeah. I didn't see those at the store. But yeah, they're supposed to be boxes designed to put in wall art. Yeah. uh, And I have not seen them, but but who boy, am I excited? Yeah. (laughs) I like a U Haul box. I'm excited. They're like indestructible. You're supposed to be able to use them for like multiple moves. And I just like, uh, I I very much enjoy going through the like pile of garbage I have accrued over the last decade plus in, in, and uh, have just held on to thinking, I'm sure I'm going to need that someday. And then throwing it away or donating it or selling it is very... Is very satisfying. I would say half the things I have in my office are going to a better place, but but not our place. Uh, and that's that's been a very rewarding process. What about you now? You got to have something, right? Uh, I am going to say, and I, I may have mentioned this before, but it's been a long time. So Griffin has not uh, left town without me in a very very long time, and he did recently, uh, and. I was able to watch some shows, you know, the shows that you watch when you're by yourself, like the, your partner is not there. And sure. so, so I, um, I'm not in particular recommending this show, but I did watch the rest of the ultimatum. Uh, and it was not that it was a great show, but it was a show that I could watch by myself. Did uh, we talk about the ultimatum on here? I don't know. Probably that we did. not. It's not, it's not what one would say a great show. It does take place in Austin, which is fun to watch. Uh, but, uh, it was just, it was very much one of those shows like Griffin's not going to be sad that I watched this without him. Absolutely. And not. I can have a good time, uh, and feel like, Hey, I'm doing something for me. Uh. <laughs> the show is wild conceptually, where it's a bunch of couples who have been dating for a while but haven't gotten engaged. Almost all of them were two years. Like every single couple sat down and said, "We've Which been is together not two years." An outrageous amount of time no. to be dating, especially when you're of, in your like yeah, early twenties. Exactly. And most of them were like, "I want to get married." My partner's not sure. I'm yeah. going to say either you marry me at the end of this show, or we're breaking up. So they swap partners for like six weeks or something yeah, like that. Yeah, so everybody has to like pick a person that they want to live with instead uh, from this group. And then they live with them for like a week. And then they go back to living with their original partner for a week. And then at the end, they're like, either they're like, I for sure want to get married now. Or uh, I really enjoyed this other partner and it made me rethink this relationship and now we're breaking up yeah it is a fucking mess it was a mess from the jump i only watched i think the first episode and was like this is a disaster because a lot of these people understandably that made the decision to go on this show where they would potentially put their relationship in danger did not have really great relationships to begin with no (laughs) so you watch them have these arguments that are very clearly like you should not be together arguments uh and that's always difficult to watch yes. um, because you feel sad for them, sure. and, you know, and it's just, it's watching hateful people say hateful things to each other. And yeah. That's not not my, either. not my favorite. Yeah. 
Um, but I, man, did but I Rachel that ate that garbage <laughs> up. Uh, do you want to go? I mean, you do go first. I do. Yes. Uh, so my wonderful thing this week is the lunchbox. Yes, this is the box for food for the middle of the day. And I'm speaking specifically about kind of the vintage lunchbox. Oh, interesting. Yes. So, um, and and I want to preface this by saying um, to my dad, who enjoys collecting things, I'm not saying this because I want more lunchboxes. <laughs> That's an important caveat to put out there a lot of times my parents will use this show as like a, a gift giving inspiration uh, and i just want to make clear we are getting ready to move across the country please christ do not send us any lunch boxes <laughs> or anything yeah or in anything. fact i'm gonna say to all family members who listen to this show don't send us anything please every tangible object that enters this house must be shrewdly categorized <laughs> in a way that it requires a lot of emotional labor. So please do not send us anything. Uh, but I will say years and years ago, um, my dad got me some lunch boxes. First, there were Pez lunch boxes because yes. I used to have a real affinity for Pez. And then he got me a Fraggle Rock lunch box and an Alf lunch box. Uh, I believe there's a Return of the Jedi one. Mm. Uh, they're pretty great. And so what I did recently is that I, when I was working at Austin Community College, I put them up top on my little shelf space. Oh, that's fine. It was like a, it like made my office more colorful. It was like a little conversation piece for people. I yeah. kept waiting for somebody to come in and be like, I love ALF too. It didn't happen. Well, and that's why you're leaving. <laughs> but it, it was, I don't know, they, they're cool. They're cool to display. Like they're just like little little pieces of art uh, and they're all approximately the same size and shape. And so you can get a few together and, and put them up on a wall and there, there you go. I'm struggling to think of a lunchbox I ever had. It is hard to remember. And part of that is because when we were coming up, the whole idea was that you got a new one every year. Yeah. And you would get the design of the thing that you were into at the time. So, you know, it was like super cool to have a Care Bears one when you're in kindergarten, but then you're in first grade and it's like, oh man, Care Bears are out. You know, you got to get a new one. I feel like I had a Power Rangers one at some point, just sort of like statistically speaking, I must have had a Power Rangers lunchbox at some point. But I was <laughs> much more into sort of just like a, a nice neutral tone sort of member of the Jansport family of products. Yeah. Well, so that is the other thing I found in my research is that <laughs> with the invention of backpacks, which is like a crazy sentence to say yeah, out loud. Yeah, it is wild. But the the big, like, big plastic or metal lunchbox kind of went out of favor because yeah. it took up so much space uh, in the backpack. Uh, and so you saw a lot more of the like reusable, foldable, soft lunchbox. Yeah, I, I was I brown paper bagged it pretty much every day. Well, that's what happened in high school for me. Like you couldn't you couldn't roll up to high school with like a you know a rainbow bright lunchbox. Yeah, unless you were like super alternative, unless you were really cool. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but yeah. So then it was then it was all brown bag. I think I was brown bag by like fifth grade. Yeah, uh, but. Those early lunchboxes. By which, I, I mean, I had a lot of really, really crushed oatmeal cream pies. <laughs> the lunches that Griffin describes from his youth they're very are, sad. they're appalling. Well, my parents made the critical error in judgment of allowing me to pack my own lunch. <laughs> and so it was usually like a Star Crunch, a Ziploc bag of Snyder's chips, uh, and like a, a Sam's Club brand Mountain Dew. 
by Ugh. which I mean like, you know, uh, uh, Hills Lightning or something <laughs> like that. Yeah. Uh, do you want to hear about lunchboxes? Yes. Okay, so uh, the first kids' lunchbox, like as we know it today, that had like the hip, the hip show on it, uh, 1950s. Whoa. Was it like Howdy Doody or some shit? Uh, that is one of them, but the first, so Aladdin was kind of the industry leader in the, in the lunchbox and their first children's lunchbox was Hopalong Cassidy. Oh yeah. I have no idea who that is. (laughs) It's like a Western show. Okay. You know how like Westerns were a big thing for a while? Weirdly, it was like the only thing. Yeah. It kind of was the only thing. Uh, so the Hopalong Cassidy lunchbox sold more than 600,000 in the first year. Which has got to be like the population of the United States back then, At this right? point, yeah. Or the <laughs> I planet. Just, I think it's funny because part of the f- appeal of lunchboxes now is that you get one that like is distinctive. Mm-hmm. And the idea of like a classroom of 20 kids showing up and everybody Just has- eating each other's shit every day. <laughs> it seems like a real nightmare. Um, I had a Dharma and Greg lunchbox yeah. that really set me apart from the rest of what. What is the shit? I'm trying to remember at the very end during the credits of Waiting for Guffman uh, and Corky's like going oh. through all of his and he has like a my dinner with entree lunchbox yes, yes. and like the little figurines that he, could, he like does a little <laughs> role play with. Fuck, that movie's good. Well, most lunchboxes came with a thermos, yeah. which was a thing. Did you do you remember thermoses? Do you have Sure, a- of course. Did you ever have like soup or something warm in Never. Them? No, me neither. Never, not once. Not once in my life. The idea of packing your kids some soup in a thermos like kind of blows my mind a little bit. Yeah, it's wild. I don't think I really started eating soup until like college. <laughs> we had, at some point we acquired like tiny little Tupperware cups you could seal up and I started to bring salsa in my lunchbox so oh, I could have chips and salsa with the lunch. Fun. That was, uh, and that was for me like really putting on the Ritz. I mean, I didn't put them on Ritz crackers. I had, <laughs> you know, tortilla strips of some sort. But yeah. yeah. Well, that's a vegetable too. Sure. It's so several vegetables. Yeah. yeah. Uh, God, if only we could get Henry to eat salsa, that'd be something. Yeah. Right well, now, when I was Henry's age, what I would do is I would just take a chip and press it down into yes, the salsa to yes. get the good juice, but have no solid content <laughs> on the on the chip whatsoever. I think that's every kid everywhere. Is that true? Okay. I the idea know. of like a like chunks of vegetable on a chip was very disturbing right. as a child. Now I can't get enough of this stuff. Uh, so I mentioned the move from the metal to the, the plastic, yes. uh, which happened in the eighties. And there's all this like lore around the departure from metal lunchboxes because people were concerned that children were using them as weapons. Sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they were using plastic lunchboxes as weapons too, but they possessed less sort of ballistic force. There's stuff on the internet about a statewide ban in Florida, uh, where a group of moms lobbied together to say, like, no more metal lunchboxes. Uh, and so the last metal lunchbox came out in 1987 with the feature character Rambo. That is appropriate. Which, like, could, should kids be watching Rambo? Probably not. <laughs> well, I remember seeing, I've never seen a single Rambo movie, but I did see, like, a chart that tracked the number of actual murders in each Rambo film. And the first one only has like one murder in it. And then the second one has like four. And then the third one has like 397 or some wild leap like that. I've never seen any of those films. Nor I. Uh, So I just. But only because they seem pretty bad. 
yeah, it's not my it's not my thing, you know? Like any kind of uh movie that's like this is a violent movie. I'm like, eh, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, the valuable lunchboxes out there. Oh, okay. So if you get on the eBay, there's tons. Sure. There's tons and tons and tons. Uh, the one right now that seems to be g- getting the highest rate uh, is a Superman lunchbox from 1954. Oh, yeah. Pretty I mean, cool that, looks, that does look pretty cool, actually. Uh, and if you remember, like that was like right when they first started with the lunchboxes, $16,000. What's in it? what's in there it's just super i mean they're super hard to find right like that's that's the thing some rare fossilized moon pies in there the next most valuable one at least on the site i'm looking at uh workingmoney.com yeah Uh, my favorite yeah i'm always on there is toppy toppy which is like a plaid elephant okay and uh that the origins of those elephants uh apparently it was a kroger item you could collect stamps and turn them in for this lunchbox wow at kroger and now you can pay six thousand dollars for that lunchbox there's some kid who was like mom can we please go back to kroger today i'm so close to my toppy elephant lunchbox it's an investment mother you don't understand someday i'll be the one laughing (laughs) when i'm sitting six thousand dollars pretty with Toppy. With Toppy. Uh, but most of the lunchboxes I saw, like Lone Ranger, yeah. Star Trek, uh, there's a Beatles one. Oh, yeah, for which sure. Which I'm sure my dad has. I'm sure your dad has some very valuable lunchboxes. Um, well, he doesn't collect them. Uh, but, I mean, he if there is a Beatles They're one. They're in his possession. He probably yeah. has it. Most of them value like $1,000. So still a lot for a lunchbox. Pretty money, yeah. Uh, but... You know, not like you're not going to send somebody to college with your lunchbox collection. Well, you could in 1956 or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so that's lunchboxes. I really, I don't know. I think they're cool. I do too. I just like school supplies in general. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, and I don't know if anyone else has this experience, but to get Henry excited for school, we oh, yeah. we go find him a cool lunchbox. Yeah, he's got a really sick Marvel one that he's been rocking for a while now, yeah. surprisingly. It has not been destroyed by the ravages of preschool. <laughs> hey, can I steal you away? Yes. Griffin? Yeah. You know what's a shame? What? Is that when you order uh, meals to be delivered to you, they can only be for dinner. That's true because of the law. But wait, wait, what's this coming across our desk? The law is different now? (laughs) It's Factor. These rebels are operating outside the boundaries of food law. (laughs) Factor has breakfast. They have midday bites. They have smoothies. Uh, There's lots of stuff you can get with Factor. What other things can you get with Factor? Well, I'm looking at this menu right now. They got a lot of tasty little options for you. I'm talking about artichoke and spinach chicken with roasted zucchini and tomato butter. Did you even know that butter could be tomato? (laughs) Not me. Shredded chicken and loaded mashed taters with, I changed the word. They say potatoes, but I said taters, precious. With mushroom <laughs> gravy, smoked cheddar, uh, bacon, and Parmesan broccoli. Uh, this this menu is out of sight, and my mouth is just watering looking at these glossy JPEGs of tasty food. So head to factormeals.com slash wonderful50 and use code wonderful50 to get 50% off. That's code wonderful50 at factormeals.com slash wonderful50 to get 50% off.
it can be intimidating trying to roll with the console cowboys in cyberspace. Um, there's always the worry that maybe they know something that you don't vis-a-vis um, website design or website functionality, and you think, that I could never be that. I could never be among their illustrious ranks. Griffin, if I wanted to build a website where I ranked my favorite episodes of Ghost Rider, would I be able to do that? Well, first of all, it would be the same list as everybody else's with the Julia Stiles <laughs> episode at the top. But yes, you can do that with Squarespace. It's the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online. Every Squarespace website and online store comes with a suite of integrated features and useful guides that help maximize prominence among search results. Do you want to have special functionality, like maybe a members-only VIP club section of your website? You can do that. Do you want to sell stuff? Yeah, you can do that too. Do you want to have an online scheduler so that people you can, you can sell uh, your time yeah you can do that also anything is possible that's um th- for the commercial the Super Bowl commercial they had that was my voice yelling anything is possible in the wow background. yeah not a lot of people know that hey head to squarespace.com slash wonderful pod for a free trial and when you're ready to launch use offer code wonderful pod to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain Got a couple Stromboli boys here, and I would love to read the first one because it is for Boone Hart, and it's from the artist formerly known as Ang Hart. Uh, And they say, babyest brother Boone, you aren't even a little bit of baby anymore and have babies of your own, but you'll always be my little bro. Watching you be a wonderful father and husband to three slash four of the best gals I know is a constant joy. I love you and I'm so proud of the man you have become. And that's a very sweet message. You know, I never hear from my big boys about how much of a man I've become, even when I'm doing my lumberjack stuff and strutting around with my huge muscles out. Don't you yeah. think that's don't you think that's unfair? When you say you mean your older brothers? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Not my sons. Yeah. No, I mean they should talk about your strut more. My strut, my strength, mm-hmm. my dignity. Mm-hmm. No, I don't have that. <laughs> You want to read this next one? Yeah. Uh, This is for Claire. It is from Past Claire. Hi, Claire Bear. Boy, you have had a rough first year in Mexico, but you are tough, you are smart, and you deserve love. Hang in there. You got this. You're amazing. Treat yourself to something nice today. XOXO, Past Claire. Mm, Just like it said, and Agent Cooper said in Twin Peaks, the secret is yeah, give yourself a little gift every day. And that's and that's why I buy myself so many candies, candies, <laughs> and Roblox gift cards. <laughs> <laughs> so Claire, if you're out there, candy and Roblox, baby, that's all you need. Mm-hmm. Hello, I'm a stuffy dowager countess. Travis, I'm judging everybody's manners. Oh no, Schmanners isn't judgy. It's about teaching you to be your best self. And be a little more confident when you enter social situations that you don't understand. And maybe also teach you a little bit about history you didn't know or give you interesting things to talk about at parties. Yeah, like The Secret Life of Emily Post. Or like why wristwatches are the way that they are. We can talk about table manners from the Victorian era. Sure, or what it's like to attend a Regency Ball. Yeah. Uh, you can find all that and more if you listen to Schmanners on Maximum Fun or wherever your podcasts come from, I guess. Manners, Schmanners. Get it? A man was walking along a beach which represented his life. 
At his feet were two sets of footprints, his and God's. But looking back down the beach, the man could see that in the hardest parts of his life, there was only one set of footprints. So the man said to God, Why is there only one set of footprints when times were hard? Where were you? And God replied, My precious child, I was in my car, listening to the Beef and Dairy Network podcast. The Beef and Dairy Network podcast is a multi-award winning comedy podcast and you can find it at MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts. I want to talk about a little pink friend of you and me. His name is Kirby. Kirby the little guy. Oh, Kirby. Kirby. I would love to know more about Kirby. You're going to. Uh, Because Kirby is one of those characters. Like, it's not like a Sonic or a Mario where it's like, a oh, that's a thing that's based on something I know in the world. Kirby is just a... Just a a little blob. Little pink ball. Just a little pink ball. I would say he ranks among the, like, B tier of Nintendo mascots. Like, he's not a Mario or a... A link or a donkey, one of your donkeys, Kong. <laughs> uh, but man, if I'll be damned if my appreciation for this little guy hasn't improved dramatically yeah. over the last Henry year. Loves this. Loves game. this dude. Uh, the new game uh, Kirby and the Forgotten Land came out a few months ago, and it's he just will all replay levels over and over. again. We have beaten the shit out of that game, and he still wants to go back and yeah. just play it over and I over. I also like the idea that he can like eat stuff and spit it out. Yep. That's a really unique idea sure. for a character. Yeah, not a lot of characters out there eating enemies. Like and Kirby, them out. Kirby doesn't have like a gun. Well, he does. The, if you have I the guess, gun power up, yeah, he, yeah. he does. In have this one, he does. But ages, yeah. but I like the idea that he inflicts inflicts his harm with yeah. with chewed up <laughs> bad guys. Yeah, it's kind of <laughs> grotesque actually when you really <laughs> explain it that much. Uh, so Kirby is the star of the Kirby series of games, which have been running since uh, Kirby's Dreamland on the Game Boy in 1992, which is kind of weird already, because when the Game Boy came out, it was like stuff got ported to it. Like you got Super Mario Land, which was like the sort of more lightweight Game Boy-ified version of Super Mario Brothers. But Kirby was like born on the Game Boy and kind of went from there. Uh, and even back then, it, the character was basically the same as he is now, a little pink blobby guy who runs around and sucks enemies up uh, and floats through the air when you jump because you can, like, press the jump button a bunch to float. Uh, you couldn't even do the, like, copy abilities in that original game. It was just sucking enemies up and shooting them out. And in later games, he got the ability to what steal it- enemies' powers. Oh, okay. Yeah, I I didn't know what you meant by copy. Yeah, it's like his his other main thing that he does. He sucks up an enemy and gets gets their powers. Okay. Uh, so the game and the character uh, was designed by a, a guy named Masahiro Sakurai, who is still like a pretty big name in the industry. He went on to spearhead all of the um, Super Smash Brothers games. And so especially for like the most recent one that came out on Switch, he would do like a video presentation every couple months to like announce a new character and everybody... Like, everybody adores this dude because he is so <laughs> enthusiastic about everything that he works on. They do a presentation every time a new character comes out? Oh, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So, like, he'll do one. <laughs> How long do those take? It seems like it could be over and done in, like, no, three minutes. No, I mean, minutes. when you want to show off, like, and here's the special smash ability of Banjo-Kazooie. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, it, can, it can get pretty granular. Um, the concept for the game, Kirby like predates the character itself because originally Sakurai wanted to make a platformer for people who were like new to gaming and action games in in general. 
So when you think about like the Kirby games, like they're pretty easy, and that is by design. Uh, there are a lot of facets of Kirby's like uh, controls that are geared for more sort of amateur players. So like the fact that he doesn't just jump once, you can press the jump button a bunch to float over enemies or gaps or in some of the Kirby games, like especially the older ones, you can just fly through the whole level without like having to interact with anything in it at all. Yeah. Um, and that makes it a much more sort of uh, approachable thing for people who are not big big gamers or yeah genre i mean henry experiences something that i experience which is if a game is too hard you get frustrated and you don't want to play it anymore yes uh and kirby kind of gives you a way in you know that is is like super appealing right so kirby the little ball was originally a placeholder for what was going to be a more fleshed out character right like when they were designing the game they made this little ball child this small spherical baby, uh, just as like a just as like a sprite that they could use yeah. while they tuned up the rest of the game. And then as the game got close to you know finishing development, Sakurai decided like let's just let's just go back to that ball because it really fits like the aesthetic that we're going for, like yeah. the simplicity that we are going for is reflected in Kirby, uh, the ball child, and like. That character hasn't changed much throughout like, the 30 games that he has been in at this point. I like that they give him shoes just to like ground you in like what he can and can't do. Like he's not going to roll anywhere. Right. So he has shoes. He actually, those aren't his shoes. They're just his feet that are a different color from the rest of his body. Oh. <gasps> you heard it here first, folks. <laughs> um, in what's really amazing is that though the character hasn't changed that much in North American like artwork and ads, he is uh, depicted with a more sort of intense look on his face because Sakurai said that North American audience like a more battle ready Kirby, <laughs> which is sad and telling, I think. Um, and yeah, he's been in 30 games since, since that first title in 1992, which is, uh, it, you know, impressive. That's a game a year essentially uh, since then. And, of course, the most recent one is, is Kirby and the Forgotten Land on Switch, which has been just an absolute slam dunk in this in this household. Um, I think it's really, I think it's just as difficult to make an easy game that is fun to play as it is to make, like, a well-balanced, challenging game. Like, yeah. there are so many games that are designed for kids that are, you know, one one button beat 'em ups, right? That yeah. gets so old so fast. Yeah. Because it, their design is uh, not just easy but like insulting in a way. Yeah, that is true. We got Henry a lot of like iPad games for when we travel and a lot of them specifically for kids and he has no interest in playing them. No, anymore. because they do one thing. Yeah. And then they and that one thing is designed to be very easy to accomplish so that you can just move on to the next one. It's like you're a Paw Patrol and you have to move left and right on this road to avoid the potholes. And then at the end of the game, it's like, yay, you did it. Yeah. But this most recent Kirby game, like, we were able to beat it. And along the way, like, did a bunch of different stuff. That was yeah. all, like, fun and varied and and enjoyable. 
but at the end of the day, not that difficult to to accomplish. Is this a new thing in games where after you beat the game, they give you like little new challenges that keep you playing it? I don't know how new it is, but it is, I would say, for, for a lot of games, especially Nintendo is really good about that. Like it's, it is kind of par for the course. Yeah, it kind of blew my mind a little bit. Well, because one, I've never like beaten a game. Yeah. So I had no idea like that there could be stuff after it. Uh, but I feel like that's very clever. Yeah. Um, so my very favorite thing about Kirby is the origins of the name. Do you know anything about this? Of course not. Okay, so in 1984, Nintendo had like found some success in North America with arcade machines, specifically Donkey Kong, and you know it, it started their like expansion out of just being a Japanese game developer company. But they were sued by Universal City Studios. Uh, who claimed that Donkey Kong infringed on the King Kong IP. Yeah. Um, I think that's fair. <laughs> sure. But uh, this this case like really threatened Nintendo's like fate as a company that could expand beyond just, just Japan because they had finally gotten a foothold in North America and here it was being threatened by this lawsuit. Uh, but ultimately, Universal had kind of screwed itself over in a previous case against RKO Pictures, who was the studio behind the original King Kong movie, uh, apparently the creator of King Kong, uh, whose name is Marion C. Cooper, did not do a particularly good job of securing the rights to this character after the original film came out in 1933. And so, like, no one was really sure if the character belonged to Cooper or RKO Pictures or Universal or who, because then, like, you know... Um, uh, some Japanese studios started to make like Godzilla versus King Kong, and it, nobody was quite sure who was licensing that character to whom because it was nineteen in the nineteen thirties, and they just were not good at keeping. So it was a, uh, like determined at some point that King Kong was just public domain. The character was was in the public domain, but then you get into like the weird Winnie the Pooh territory where it's like Winnie the Pooh the character is in the public domain, but the story. Like this, this specific depiction of Winnie the Pooh is not in the public domain. Like it starts to get in that weird territory. Uh -huh. So essentially Nintendo had to argue that Donkey Kong is like different from King Kong, uh, that nobody in their right mind would get this character confused with the film version of King he Kong. He throws barrels. He throws and, barrels and, and he sometimes wears clothes. And he hates Mario so much. Uh, and so in this, this court case in 1984, uh, the, the judge ultimately ruled in favor of Nintendo saying that nobody would confuse King Kong and Donkey Kong and said that, you know, there was this precedent that there was no, uh, you know, a, official claim to the IP of the character of King Kong that Universal Studios, Studios could claim. So it's a huge win for Nintendo that essentially like allowed them to... I mean, if they had lost that case, it would have been very hard for them to maintain this like this small step out of the ease that they had taken. So Kirby. According to Shigeru Miyamoto, who made Mario and, and a ton of characters yeah. for, uh, for Nintendo, according to him, the character of Kirby earned his name from Nintendo's North American Council on the case, whose name was John Kirby. Wild. <laughs> Fucking wild. <laughs> The lawyer for this like very important case for Nintendo is named John Kirby, and so when they had this character for for this 1992 Game Boy game, and they needed a name for him, named him after the lawyer in that case who won the case for them, and now Kirby is, you know, one of the more prolific names in video games. Is this guy like a round pink band? 
he is a and he, he the thing is the red feet he sucked up he has big red feet and he sucks up the <laughs> Your the Honor, prosecution in the case. I would like to cross-examine the witness. Yeah. Hey, objection. What? <laughs> Did someone say something? I don't think so. Oh, wow. I gained double lawyer powers. <laughs> anyway, that's Kirby. I love him. I love Kirby. I just think he's, I just think he's neat. Yeah, I like I like any game that is like colorful and yeah. pleasing and there's no, you know, flesh wounds. There's no flesh wounds in Kirby. I think that was one of the first games you and I played together was like a yeah. Kirby's Epic Yarn or something like that on the Wii or Wii U. We like really got into that game and it was it was a uh, it was one of the first like video games that we played together. I remember uh-huh. really enjoying that. Yeah, you were really good at kind of curating my experience to make sure that the game that I was going to play would not turn me off of games forever. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, that's it. Thank you to Bowen and Augustus for the use of our theme song, Money Won't Pay. You can find a link to that in the episode description. Uh, thank you to Maximum Fun for having us on the network. Go to MaximumFun.org. Check out all the great shows that they have on there. Just just waiting for you to click on them, subscribe to them, and listen to every episode of them. Thank you to everybody that went and saw the guys in Boston and Mash and Tucket. Yeah, it was and a fun And for tour. taking pictures because I do this thing where after Griffin performs, I'll go on Twitter and try and look for pictures of the performance. Because... Like, a, like a lonely sailor's bride <laughs> on her widow's <laughs> Perch, watching the sea, waiting for signs of her her seaman to return to her loving embrace. And that is what I call you. I call you seaman. That's true. Um, maybe we have stuff at macroymerch.com. If you want to go check that out, we are going to be doing a few more shows this year. Yeah. If you want to come see us, go to, uh, uh, I mean, if you go to macroy.family, you can find a link to where we're doing all the shows, but going to be in... Uh, Salt Lake City, Portland, San Diego, D.C., Detroit, and Cincinnati. Yeah, when when we do the D.C. show, we will be residents of there, and we can do a lot of local humor. Oh, that'll be fun. Did you hear about this Joe Biden guy? (laughs) Who's got a Metro card? We may see Ted Cruz. No. You don't think we'll ever just... Bump into Ted Cruz and then no. immediately have to go change clothes because I mean, of the piss lived, that would get on us. <laughs> we've lived in Texas and haven't seen him. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's a fair point. But I do think we will see another politician. Wow, I couldn't even think of one <laughs> other politician. I was going to say Nancy Pelosi, but I, I don't even know how I would see her. I'm trying to think of a politician who like would would roll up to the same the same spot. AOC. That would. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That'd be yeah, fucking yeah. great. We'll be at like an arcade and AOC will be right next to us. Just yeah, it's just pounding quarters into like murdering. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be cool. Well, let's, let's end the show so we can start writing this fan fiction. <laughs> Bye. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. 
Artist owned, audience supported.